Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be having a wonderful chat with internationally acclaimed past life psychic, spiritual teacher, and author Ainsley McLeod. And they'll be discussing his latest book, The Old Soul's Guidebook. So tune in as they discuss who you are, why you are here, and how to navigate life on this planet. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. Um, you can also find out more about me, connect with me for coaching at goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. Um, and Benny, I just wanted to check in with you. How are things up there in Seattle? Uh, doing pretty good and, uh, you know, pretty rainy. You know, you're not missing much. Um, <laughs> Pataluma is probably much better. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe just different in our weather. <laughs> I did uh, notice your uh, pick when you were out running around, you know, checking yes. out the landscaping and the scenery there. You were very, it was very uh, windy in your area. It was. And I, well, I commented, you were running so fast, you were able to take a <laughs> selfie at the same time. That's, I wish that were the case. That, that's pure talent right there. It's just pure talent. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And for those who are out there, um, if I, um, for my Facebook page, if you want to see the photo, just hop over to my Facebook page and you can just find me on Facebook, Sunny Joy McMillan. And I posted a picture from my first run out here in Petaluma. And I was saying, you know, the hills, of course, in Seattle with the beautiful, I shouldn't call them hills, they're mountains, mountain ranges, <laughs> right? snow-capped mountains. They're magical in their own way. And there is something equally magical, but different about the rolling hills in Northern California. And so I, there's just, this land has been um, very soothing to me from the minute that we arrived here. So anyway, that was the picture that Benny's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for holding down the fort in Seattle, Benny. It's what I do. It's what I do. Um, well, we'll go ahead and move on to our amazing guest today, um, Ainsley McLeod. And I've been really excited about this interview. So many of you regular listeners know, you know, Martha Beck is the teacher of my heart in this lifetime, at least so far. Um, she is the catalyst, her writing anyway, was the catalyst for um, taking me out of my old life, um, helping me recognize that it really wasn't my right life and I wasn't living from um, my soul or my essential self, um, as Martha calls it. Um, and uh, so her work has been so influential. And she shared a story um, about working with a, uh, a psychic um, who happened to be Ainsley McLeod. And it's a very positive story. Um, and the, the details that she shared um, within our coaching groups were just amazing. And I thought, okay, I need to know who this man is. Um, and so he is our guest today on the show. Um, Ainsley is an internationally acclaimed past life psychic, a spiritual teacher, and award-winning author of the book called The Instruction, also The Transformation. Mm -hmm. And most recently, the book we'll be discussing today, The Old Soul's Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth. Ainsley specializes in exploring past lives to reveal your life's purpose and has been a featured guest on Oprah's Super Soul Conversation series. He lives on a tranquil island in the Pacific Northwest. So you all in Seattle, you're very lucky. He is uh, around there locally. He will actually be at East West Bookshop doing a book signing as well as a workshop on June 21st, as well as June 22nd. Um, so you can go to East West Bookshop if you want to connect with him in person. And we'll mention those events again toward the tail end of the show. Uh, you can also find out more about Ainsley uh, if you want to go ahead and check out his work uh, by going to his website, ainsleymcleod.com. And I'll spell that for you. A-I-N-S-L-I-E, Ainsley. McLeod is spelled M A C. L-E-O-D. So that's AinsleyMcLeod.com. Ainsley, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Oh, great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, yes. I was just telling you before we got on air, 
Um, you know, there is so much wisdom in your book. And I have to say, I was sharing with a friend yesterday. Um, we were talking about, I just happened to have a call with her. And I said, this new book by Ainsley McLeod has so much new information that I was not aware of. Um, and so I'm just really excited that we'll be sharing this with our listeners today so that they can have this information as well. Um, but I'm curious, Ainsley, you know, you write that your specialty and your field of interest and even your obsession is the soul and how it influences every single aspect of human life. Right. And I'm curious, yeah, how did that come about? Because I, I am fascinated by the soul myself. So I love that this is your obsession. Well, I, I, I mean, even when I was very young and long before I had any interest in this particular kind of thing, um, I was always wondering, you know, what makes us the way we are. I could never find any system of understanding or, or anything that sort of really spoke to me. You know, that's um, how come you can get somebody, uh, you know, you, let's say you get the extreme poles, very, very progressive person uh, with a college education, but you can also get somebody who's extremely maybe fundamentalist, um, unaccepting of others and, and so on. And, they, you know, they both have the same kind of upbringing, or at least same educational level. It's obviously not just about, uh, you know, intelligence or education. So I was always looking to find an answer to the question, who are we? What, you know, what makes us the, the way that we are? And once I um, discovered, well, it was an ability to tap into the other side to talk to the spirit world, uh, everything made sense, that, and so much has to do with just how the soul influences us, uh, really in every way. I mean, I, I because the soul has m multiple incarnations, I also say that really understanding past lives and the whole principle of reincarnation and that aspect of your soul's journey, that's what is so important to understand if you want to figure yourself out. But you can't know where you, where you're going if you don't know where you've been. Yes. And I, uh, that makes so much sense to me. Um, and before we really unpack that, I want to back up just a little bit because I think in your story, it's interesting to me that you say that you were an atheist or a professed atheist at some point, but you were right. born with really strong psychic capabilities. And then there were a couple of life events that were maybe a tipping point of sorts that put you where you are today. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Because I love the stories about the breadcrumbs that people follow to get where they are. Yeah, I, I was, oh, I was a committed atheist. You know, I was, I was convinced there was nothing beyond. And uh, I thought anyone who thought that there was, was kind of weak-minded or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then I had, um, well, the one thing that kept happening was I never thought I was psychic, but psychics were always telling me I was. And I, <laughs> I was drawn to them. And I used to tell myself that I was going to see psychics because I was trying to debunk them. But at the same time, I was, I was fascinated. And of course I was being, you know, my soul was trying to draw me into that world because, you know, it's ultimately going to be my path. In fact, if I'd paid attention, it would have been my path a lot sooner than it was. It took me a long time. And psychics would even come up to me in the street and tell me, or actually in London pubs, would come up and tell me that I was psychic and should be doing something with it. And I really, although looking back now, it's obvious, you know, I had all these things, the precognition and seeing ghosts or whatever, that were pointing to me being highly intuitive as a child. I never for one second thought about the word psychic. I never thought I was. And I just thought there were experiences that were just like weird, you know, it's chalked it up to life being unusual. And, um, it was when I had the, the, the two major experiences for me were that I'd had about 10 years before I came to the States, um, still back in my committed atheist days, I, I went to see a psychic in the south of England. And he told me, you're going to end up in California. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and I, I just filed it away. I'd sometimes tell it's a funny story, you know, at a dinner or something. But there was it was not something where I thought, hmm. I need to figure out a way to get to California. But I actually ended up in California. And not only that, on the first night that I was there, I actually heard his voice, not in my head, but sort of a, it felt like in the room that I was in, exact sentence that he'd said those years before. He said, you're going to end up in California. There's nothing you can do about it. It wasn't a final stop. Uh, I mean, I moved to the Pacific Northwest, but I spent a few years there. And it was about, that really woke me up. And the next day after that, I I bought every 
spiritual book I could carry. Uh, and I read a book a day. I was so fascinated trying to figure out how how does this work? How you know what is the soul doing? How can a how can a psychic know something like that? And I swear, you know, there's no way that I try to fulfill the prophecy or anything. And then the other one was, which was the real wake-up call. I mean, as if I needed another one. Well, I kind of did because I really wasn't paying attention. And I, I took a trip to Hawaii, and halfway through the trip, I uh, ran into my deceased uncle <laughs> in a bookstore. And he was there for like a, just a, a second, just right beside me, as real as life, just for a second. And with a, with a quite a long message, actually, uh, although he was only visually there for a, few, for a second, the, the message was longer. It was about working together, not wasting any more time that I was supposed to be doing it. And this was after you know, several psychics had mentioned my uncle John being a, a spirit guide. And, and the skeptic in me was going, well, he would have no time for, for that sort of nonsense. <laughs> he was an atheist <laughs> like me. And everybody's got an uncle called John, you know, it's like a common name, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I was trying to explain it away. And then that was the, where I went, oh, okay, right, there's really something here. So I started uh, talking to him and found that I could c communicate in some rudimentary fashion. And then he passed me on to a whole uh, group of spirit guides that I, I started working with and still do. And yeah. That, that's, oh, my, that's my origin story. <laughs> I love that, and and I love that you just mentioned that they uh, that that you were passed along to the guides that you work with now, and that was another thing that I thought was really interesting because you make a distinction. Um, you write that mediums and most psychics communicate with guides on the astral plane, ones whose purpose is to help with a more prosaic everyday questions, to offer reassurance, and to communicate with those who have passed. Your spirit guides, however, reside on the causal plane, which gives them access to the big picture. So do you mind saying a little bit more about that? Because that seems like a very important distinction. Yeah, for, uh, for me, it really was it was helping me to, to go to what really fascinated me because the, the astral plane spirit guides don't have the same perspective. It's just like um, when you, you know, as you go to this other level, it, it's, it's more expansive. Mm -hmm. And these the spirit guides see where you've been, all your past lives, um, you know, what's in your highest interest. They know your whole life plan. It's not to say that those on the other level wouldn't have some inkling, but but the past life stuff doesn't come up so easily from, mm -hmm. from the astral plane. So it was by tapping into these guides that I was able to see, um, especially when I started working with people, uh, how much their past lives affected who they were. In fact... Um, it's got to a point where I just think increasingly all the time I'm, I'm going past lives explain everything because of you know how, how it influences our personality behavior beliefs uh, everything so um, the guides that I work with are a little harder to hear um, but I, I spend actually quite a long time more out of fear of getting something wrong, I spent about three years practicing. So it wasn't like I just hooked into spirit guides and got a clear connection and felt really confident about reading people. I was really, you know, overly cautious. I think looking back, but um, I just practiced uh, asking questions, um, exploring all sorts of things. The funny thing was that I would I would spend hours talking to my spirit guides and then run out of questions. And now. I think I, I <laughs> at this point, I, I, there isn't enough, I don't have enough years left to be able to answer all the questions I have or, or the other people have for me. <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing that I thought was really interesting about this book, um, because of this connection to your guides, um, and of course you have uh, other books available, but this one in particular um, that you say you write it or you offer it as an antidote to the plethora of misinformation that has muddied the waters of genuine spiritual insight in recent years. And I would love if you could speak to that a little bit, because that was, as I said, I learned so many new things in this book. Um, so I would love if you could share a little bit more about what people should be aware of out there. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's wonderful stuff out there, but there's also a lot of conjecture and supposition and kind of re repeated um, errors, if you, if you like, that, it, uh, and especially, 
I'm, I'm very aware of, you know, because I'm working with people all the time, and I'm, I'm very conscious of how certain beliefs uh, interfere with our ability to be empowered, I guess. Um, for example, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a bit of a myth about soulmates that maybe there's only one or if you lose one, that's it. And I have I've worked with people who've stuck in a really bad relationship because they thought, well, this is my soulmate. And if I ditch them, uh, I'll, I'll be alone for the rest of my life or I'll never find anyone else. And it actually doesn't work like that. We have multiple agreements to ensure that, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, we, we get another chance. Things like karma. You know, the idea that um, it's punishment. There's absolutely no validity in that whatsoever. It's it's a form of balancing usually the effects of, you know, one action with, with actions, usually, often in a, in a future life, not, not necessarily. But it was things like that that I think can, can be, you know, disempowering uh, beliefs sometimes. You know, what, like, or, you know, what's the, what's the point of really trying because this is the way it's meant to be. Um, you know, sometimes you hear people saying, you know, well, you know, I meant, I meant to go through this. Um, in fact, I, I mentioned this in my first book, somebody coming to see me, I was working out of a shop, and uh, I was asking her why she's stuck in a really um, violent relationship, and she felt that she was meant to for, for the lessons, and she didn't realize, you know, that the lesson would be, get the hell out of there. <laughs> You know, no, no soul wants to be, you know, um, mistreated. And if it can't change the situation, it will try to get you to, to move. So it's all about empowerment. Yeah, and that actually, I'm glad that you brought up th those those particular themes or topics because I had a question. I, I, as I mentioned before we got on air, I'm fascinated by the balance between, as a human, our free will versus destiny. And I loved how you put this in the book. Your soul and your conscious self make a powerful team. One has the map, the other the ability to take action. So what does that look like in a human life, this this balance between free will and destiny? Or maybe if you have an example, that would be a good way of showing that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, it's just a continual sort of balancing act because your, your soul is trying to nudge you and with the help of your spirit guides to keep you on track, to help you make uh, wise choices when when opportunities are presented, and um, you know sometimes it, with, without that free will, pe people don't follow the the path. I'm thinking, if you want an example, I'm thinking of one client who who really had uh, so many opportunities came their way, and out of fear. Uh, which was all past life related too, by the way. Uh, they they didn't take the opportunities, um, and they didn't think it was a a big deal. It was about going to college, and it was about um, staying on one side of the country instead of going to another. And they sh the, their life plan was all about getting them to this other place because there were people to meet, um, experiences to unfold, lessons to to be learned. And by not using that free will, um, like I say, out, out of fear of, like fear of basically the unknown, um, they missed a whole lot of opportunities. And by the time I spoke to them, they were probably, I forget now, maybe about 40. Mm -hmm. And their life could have been so different. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that can create regrets because later on, you know, you, you, you think about it a lot because it was part of your your life plan, everybody's trying to, when I say everybody, and everybody in the spirit world is trying to get you to, to follow that path and you don't, and you kind of, you kind of know it. But it, it, it is like, you know, you, it's like the soul sees itself as part of a mind, body, spirit bundle. But it doesn't have, the soul itself doesn't have the ability to pick up a phone or buy an air ticket or whatever. It, it, um, you know, it requires the, the conscious mind and the body to take action. 
Yes, and if you don't mind me asking about your story, for example, because I was intrigued by this in the book, that um, you write about that you were um, previously married and that that she had a drinking problem and that you ultimately ended up splitting up. And so I just wondered if from the soul's perspective, was there a potential a potential life plan that involved staying with her had she not been an alcoholic? Because you said at one point there was a soul-to-soul agreement to split up. Yes. And I just wondered, how does that, was there a whole nother potential out there? Absolutely. Well, certainly, um, you know, coming together, it was, it was very compelling. And uh, yes, had, had there not been an issue with, uh, you know, particularly with alcohol, I think it would... Um, it, yes, it could potentially have lasted. The thing about meeting a soulmate is that it's, there's not necessarily a, a guarantee that it will get off the ground. Um, there's not a guarantee that it will last. You know, people have an idea about soulmates that they, they're like swans, you know, mating for life and, you know, everything's going to be just fantastic. But sometimes it's just to, you know, it's it's it ha- it's finite. It's, mm-hmm. it's for a just a certain period that, that you need that and then maybe lessons can be learned and sometimes quite quickly and there's no there's no need to or no obligation to to stay in that case what was happening was very much that I was getting nudge nudges to get out I mean I didn't understand it fully at the time but the universe presented me with loads of opportunities all within the space of days a couple of days where you know, you know, psychic telling me to get out, um, but you know, becoming quite alarmed by the the damage that was being caused, mm-hmm. and um, you know, as somebody who was really spinning out of control, and they then somebody calling and offering, uh, or I had to track her down, but you know, off, offered a a home for you know just a temporary place to stay and which is what got me to california but it was a you know the it felt like now looking back the universe conspiring to get me out of there to to make a change and uh yeah you know when when you're meant to exercise this free will and or make a change in your life usually you'll find that there are multiple nudges it's not just one but you know maybe something Maybe say it's, a, say it's a relocation. You find a, a place comes up. You think about it. Somebody mentions it. Um, you find a book about it. You know, it's, it's like there's nudges and ways that the the universe will put that on the front burner. To, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if you even had that with put Petaluma. You know, just somewhere that kind of came up. Absolutely, yes. It was by a very serendipitous turn of events and following a number of breadcrumbs that all led to this place. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it felt very uh, divinely ordained. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So before we go to our break, I did want to ask um, Ainsley, you know, because of the, the, the book is called The Old Soul's Guidebook. Um, so what does it mean to be an old soul or what are the markers of it? Well, the marker of being an old soul is it's generally things like um, having an interest in spirituality. You know, your your audience would be older souls. Yes. Uh, often more of a, you know, an interest in self-awareness, self-development and so on. Um, politically, older souls tend to be a little bit more on the pro- or maybe a lot more on the progressive side of things. Um, and very often consider themselves to be spiritual, not so much religious mm-hmm. the the soul's journey takes it from a place of me to we or f- from f- fear to love so and how that shows up is you know having greater acceptance of others more concern about the environment and that's often partly because of the awareness of reincarnation it's like you know that you need to look after the planet not just for your for this generation but you you know for future generations which you relate to because you could even be back here so it you know the, the old the older soul looks a little bit more progressive you know for many for many reasons mm-hmm. yeah and um then i guess well benny um benny are we good to take our break let's do it 
Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, so we'll take our break and we'll come back. So I am joined today by Ainsley McLeod, who has just released his latest book, The Old Soul's Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth. Um, You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. We will be back in just a few to continue the conversation about The Old Soul's Guidebook. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available today on (laughs) Amazon.com. Hey, everyone. You know, let's all stop what we're doing right now and take a moment. That felt good, huh? Just like that, we had a nice, special sort of moment together. Of course, they don't all need to be quiet moments to be special. They could be loud moments, goofy moments, sporty moments, dorky moments. Moments where we talk or walk or just hang out. It doesn't really matter. They all count. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. (laughs) Sounds like somebody agrees. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Today, call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I am joined today by Ainsley McLeod, uh, internationally acclaimed past life psychic, author, teacher, um, and his newest book, which has just been released, called The Old Soul's Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth. That's what we're discussing here today. Um, So, Ainsley... um, you wrote, you mentioned this earlier in the show, and I just want to repeat this quote, um, that without knowing where you've been, you can never truly know where you're going and everything from the circumstances of your birth to your dreams and aspirations is influenced by your soul's past. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit more about the specifics of how those influences play out in our current life? Um, and I, we can go anywhere with this, the, the Achilles heel body parts, personality, um, any of the things that <laughs> where okay. you want to go with that one. Wow. Okay. So uh, if, if you could just settle in for the next four or five hours. Yes, we'll... <laughs> there we go. We'll just take the whole workshop. It, it's such a, it's such a big topic, but you know, like, like I'm saying, I think everything everything about we humans is related to our past lives, and the reason I say that is that when I started reading people, uh, you know, I would even talk to those people say, I don't really want to hear about past lives. I'm not, I just want to know about this life, and within seconds, we're slipping into a past life because it's it's impo- impossible to talk about the present without talking about the past. So it became a really big part of of what I do. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I guess, do a single session these days without exploring some past life aspect of it. The, the thing that is really significant here is that your soul is conscious throughout all your lives. Now, you, as an old soul, you might have over 100 lives on the 
physical plane. You've been back and forth between here and the astral plane for maybe 5,000 years, say, and getting uh, all these different experiences. Your your body dies, you come back reincarnated as somebody else, but your soul's conscious throughout. For your soul, this is life number one. And the challenge is that your soul carries the memories, particularly of trauma, uh, traumatic events from, from the past, and it holds those as usually fears, phobias, all phobias are past life related, um, limiting beliefs, and often these Achilles body parts, these areas of weakness in the, in the body that relate directly to the, the trauma in the past. And what the soul needs, because it can't separate easily one, one life from the next, because like I say, it's conscious throughout, is that we remind it just by airing what happened. That, you know, this happened to you 300 years ago. And the soul goes, oh, right, it's a past life. So we'll let that go. And, and people think the soul has all the answers. I mean, it's another one of those sort of maybe uh, erroneous myths but the, but the soul doesn't. If, if it had all the answers, it wouldn't bother coming here. It's, it's, it's here to learn, and it's doing that through multiple incarnations. So uh, we have to help it along the way. And I think this is uh, something as we, you know, as we as a species evolve, and we're going through some rapid growth right now, I think in, in 100 years, a couple hundred years, this will become mainstream. You know, people will realize the immense healing aspect of exploring past lives, because what I found just in my own little world doing doing this, you know, mostly one on one, is that uh, you can heal all sorts of things. Uh, it can be insecurities, uncertainties. It can be um, unexplained abdominal pains. It can be uh, phobias can disappear, and all it takes is to remind the soul that that was then and this is now. Yeah, and it's, that was something that was so interesting in the book. Um, you call them soul blind spots. And, and as you just mentioned, it perceives all the many lives and deaths as being part of one long life. Because right. until you explained it in your book, because I've heard about, um, it, it always seemed strange to me because I thought, well, our souls are tied to the creator. They're perfect. They're eternal. How could they ever be wounded or be... Um, have any blips along the way that trigger past trauma. And so the way that you explained it, it really made sense to me. Um, And I'm just, I'll share this quote. Put simply, the process of healing works like this. Your soul encounters a reminder of past life trauma. Unable to separate the past life from this life, it overreacts to the perceived threat. Through past life exploration, you remind your soul that the threat is not real, and then your soul puts the memories of events from the past back where they belong, in the past. And I think the the stories that I am the most fascinated by in in with these are the resolution of physical ailments that it that are tied to past life, a death in a past life. Um, and I was hoping, could we talk a little bit more in detail about the Achilles body parts that you reference? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of the job. And what I'll be doing is people don't generally come to me saying, I have this ailment. Can you do anything about it? It's usually I'm exploring a past life and I'll find that that person has, oh my gosh, let, let's say it's um, they, they lost an eye in a past life. And I'll, I'll ask them about, do you have any issue with your right eye? And they've they say, oh my gosh, you know, I've always had problems and, you know, it's completely different from the other one. And and so on, or or it would be like, um, you know, headaches. You know, the, like I see head trauma in a past life, and you know, do you have migraines? And the person does, and you know, I'm not sure how many people I, I've helped there, but maybe three or four people over the years who had chronic migraines that just disappeared, and and usually when there's healing due to to exploring a past life, the the time it takes to heal is usually pretty quick. And generally it's measured in days, hours, days, or weeks, you know, before people notice some sort of improvement. And, uh, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, but it's um, it's been incredible to see all the, you know, different people coming back to me uh, and no longer have a, 
a problem with whatever it is, whatever whatever we're finding. People who've been hanged in a past life generally have throat chakra issues, which has a lot to do with self-expression, sometimes choking on words. And, um, don't They don't like turtlenecks or jewelry around their neck. It's a reminder of being hanged. People who've been beheaded in a past life have neck and shoulder pain. And that's one I felt quite a number of people uh, get over. There's one person I talk about in the book. I, I, I talk about this a lot because this was like, you know, this, this bowled, me, bowled me over. But my client had been beheaded during the French Revolution. And I asked her if she had neck and shoulder pain. She told me she had 20 years of it. Mm. And um, it wasn't held by her job where she had to move move her head and neck a lot. And um, the, the pain lifted in the moment. It was like literally the moment that the soul heard what happened. It was able to let it go. What, what she was carrying was just a, a ghost. It was a memory, a ghost memory of a past life. And people say, we, we don't remember our past lives. And I argue that we, we do. We carry all sorts of memories of, of past lives. And some of it's positive as well. It's not, it's not all, the, all, the, all the bad stuff. But we carry so much in our, our bodies, areas of weakness. You know, it can be, you know, I can spot a shoulder injury in a past life, and that's where they, oh, you know, they say, I've always had a problem with my left shoulder or, you know, whatever part it is. Yeah, and it, it it's funny to me also when you talk about that certain people will have birthmarks, let's say, at the yeah. point, let's say they were shot in a past life, and they'll have a birthmark in the place of the the wound that you will pick up on or it, yeah, yeah, it's just the physical manifestation of it is just fascinating to me. Um, but you know, then there are also, as you mentioned, um, phobias come from past life, uh, experiences. And I'm curious, what are some of the most common fears that you see that are tied to those past life experiences? The, the most common one is, uh, fear around judgment, but it's a, it's technically a phobia of judgment. And it comes very often from having been judged uh, unfairly, usually, in a past life. It could be in a court of law. It could be for the color of your skin, for your religion. You maybe you got caught up in a pogrom or something. But the whole judgment thing, will it'll put you into a kind of tailspin if you have to face what your soul perceives as judgment in this life. And that's usually... Um, being tested or being in front of an audience. And of course, it's one of the biggest fears, one of the most common fears is uh, public speaking. And this is something I, I, I overcame myself. I had a huge fear around that and literally didn't talk in public for 30 years. I was just not going to do it until I did the past life work and found the the source of it. And so I've helped quite a number of people get, get over that one. And that's you know, it's very satisfying because I've got a sort of almost like a personal vested interest in, in <laughs> I can really relate. Yeah. And it's, it's also to me brings up the question that when people are exploring their past life issues with you, um, then they have this resolution. Like once the soul remembers or is reminded that that was in the past, that now is different and it's okay to let it go. But what about the people that don't have access to this past life healing? Do we just go through our life with these unresolved issues? Or, I mean, what's going to happen to all the people who don't have access to your work or past life healing? Well, we, what we do is we, we actually choose circumstances in our lives that help us to trigger fears and allow us to work through them. So an example would be that you can certainly work through, uh, by the way, your, your past life issues, maybe not as quickly. But yeah, an example would be coming into a family. You choose your parents and they choose you, which always surprises people. Right. Um, because the, the usual reaction is, what? <laughs> what are you thinking? My parents uh, still don't believe me when I tell them that I chose them. And <laughs> <so. laughs> right. But it seems so odd. But but it, it's so important to understand because you're, you're looking to trigger um, – past life fears to, to then overcome them. So you, you know, you come in with a, almost like a pre-existing condition. Let's say you have um, self-worth issues and you think, why would you choose family who put you down or maybe discourage you from following your dreams? Uh, 
but that's a great way to trigger that fear. And then the intention is that that you work to transcend this. Now, sometimes people get put into a, a place of disempowerment, and it can make it very hard. You know, it can take a uh, take decades or a long time to really get to that place. But what it will do is is put that issue on the front burner. You'll notice that you're always running into issues with people putting you down or, or discouraging. It's a theme. It's not just the parents, but then you're drawing in that energy to, because you're trying to work through it. Mm-hmm. And all the time, the soul is try- your soul never wants you to be a victim of anything. So it's kind of going, okay, you know, we need to we need to get over this. So it's you know the the intention is that you work through that yourself. Yeah, and and I again, I hope you don't mind if I use an example from your life in the book that you mentioned. But I think it's sure. it's very powerful that you your father. Um, was an alcoholic who was physically abusive, and uh, and you talk about that you didn't. Uh, I don't want to paraphrase here and get this wrong, but that that you um, didn't quite get the lesson while you were in it. It took iterations in your relationships with people yeah. who mm-hmm. exhibited those same traits later on. Do you mind speaking to that a little bit? Because most people, I would think, would say, "Why would you choose an abusive alcoholic father to come into that life?" Well, everybody's got to have a soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's fundamental. You can't, you can't, because I, you know people wonder that. Well, why would you choose such a horrible life? Well, somebody has to do it. You know, I'm thinking about you know somebody coming into a life where they're, it's almost inevitable they're going to be abused. But somebody has to to come in. In my case, I had been I had a past life where I was an opium addict and the, had ruined the family. Uh, it was like 150, 200 years ago. But the soul really needed to overcome that one. So it said, okay, well, you know, we'll choose to be the, the child of an alcoholic parent. The intention is that I would learn from it. And I think this is actually a really good example because it is the fear of inferiority that I was talking about. You know, certain parents will, will, will trigger this. And the intention is that you work through it. Now, what happens is that the... the as the spirit guides say, the experience is not the lesson. The lesson is what you draw from it. And there's always a positive lesson, no matter how negative or hard the experience. But what I did was I failed to to process. And it, it, what I then had to do, I mean, I, I the, the experiences that I had in an ideal world should have taught me to avoid people like that, um, to become more empowered, not not become a victim of somebody's behavior. But I didn't, and I end, ended up, what, what I still needed to do is work through this, so there were repeat patterns. I mean, it was to a point of absolute uh, craziness. As I mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up with you know, a string of um, partners with uh, with. with alcoholic issues or substance abuse issues uh, and to, to one of them said to me you know after she went through recovery she said you came from chaos into my chaos and didn't know the difference and mm. you know that's true because I hadn't processed and it was it was it took me a very long time uh, to to realize and as I say in the book you know you have to realize at some point well, there's a common denominator there <laughs> you know, and that's you and that we do choose repeat patterns and that's one of the common ones is that I see in clients, you know, that they, they don't just have the one alcoholic partner, but, you know, the one before was and the one before that. And so we see patterns in our lives. And wherever you see patterns, you know, there's something you're working through. You know, why, why is this? Why are you keep continually drawing this into your life? So it, it tells you a lot about what you need to to, to work on. For me, it was um, it was really standing up for myself and, uh, you know, and not and and stepping back and not allowing myself to get into you know drawn into this codependent place or you know the kind of things that you do. I actually have a little bit about uh, a past life of yours if you're interested, Sunny. That was exactly what I was going to ask next, so it does not surprise <laughs> me that's where you went. <laughs> well, it, it it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I I I've been to your website, so I know a little bit about you know, what you do. And I think it would relate to some of that. But very quickly, if I can just tell you about what came up. And, you know, when I asked my spirit guides about a 
past life. They'll, they'll, they'll often just go straight to something that should speak to you. It's, you know, this is not random, you know, you're getting something for a reason. They said it, it's, um, in this life, you know, it's so important for you to be a uniter, to be, to be bringing people together. And of course, you do this through the radio show, but you do it in other ways as well. It does suggest as well that, um, I mean, I know you're a coach, but you would want to work with groups rather than always one-on-one. Uh, do you do that already? Or? Uh, it's very interesting you say that. I have had this conversation, I can't tell you how many times, that um, while I enjoy one-on-one work, group is my happy place, and I'm yeah. uh, transitioning my business more to that model than strictly one-on-one. <laughs> so that's <laughs> spot on. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're meant to be what they call a change maker. And you're, you're here to really help to transform transform people well, a part of this is about really empowering people and that's uh, the you know the difference between teaching them to fish and giving them fish mm. you want to you definitely want to teach them um you had a past life in somewhere like in the area of ukraine uh at the time of your death you were about 14 years old you were a male and you were in trouble for stealing and you ended up being in a place of complete abandonment, feeling like abandoned by everybody, put, put in a mine and worked to death, um, which raised some big fears. One is about rejection, which has to do with all the, the abandonment, the fear of betrayal, fear of powerlessness, fear of failure, fear of inferiority we mentioned, and fear of judgment, which you talked about as well. So one, a couple of interesting things here is that justice is going to be really important to you. And that's a big part of what you're bringing um, into your work, whether you're conscious of it or not. It's wanting to make things fairer for for other people. Does that make sense? I mean, can you see that in your, in your oh, work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, w- I wonder, too, if it's partly to do with being an attorney in the past. But, yes, yeah, that's it. Definitely wasn't my calling, but the right. fairness and justice for all is um, a, a big theme for me, um, right. especially. I yeah. They thought it should be on your family crest or something. <laughs> right. Uh, but interestingly, you have the fear of inferiority and judgment together, and what that creates is a soul doesn't want to feel or anyone to see that you're inadequate. That's a fear of inferiority, and. The, the judgment is you don't want anyone to criticize you. And what you end up being is a high achiever. And, you know, high achieving firstborn, even if you're not firstborn. It's like, you you know, you got to do a good job and you don't want anyone to see that you, you can't. So I imagine you put yourself through a lot of internal pressure uh, that way. I'm thinking yeah. probably a lot to do with the legal experience that you had. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, uh, very high achiever. Um, I'm becoming, trying to be a little bit more relaxed about it now. But and I have said to many people, I felt like my biggest journey in this lifetime was my self worth. So feeling mm-hmm. confident to speak the truth, not be afraid of judgment, and be okay if things are not perfect and still being seen in that light. Like those are my oh, my well, biggies. <laughs> yeah, because there is a, a tendency towards perfectionism. Obviously, when you have that, anyone who's been a prisoner, by the way. Or, or slave in a past life will will have a, a fear of powerlessness, and it shows up in some interesting ways. One is that you want to empower others, and you want to be an empowered person yourself. Um, but you will re- react very strongly if somebody tells you what to do rather than asking you. The, mo- <laughs> the motto there that this should be the family crest is "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> yeah, I think my dad can <laughs> attest to that one for me. <laughs> I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing that came up, and you know, this this would be related to, obviously to this life as a writer, but you've been a writer in many past lives, and actually a big part of the that what you wanted to do with your writing, and I, I imagine it must then carry into this life, is to do with justice again. It's a sort of motivator, as well. You know, just wanting well, it's about fairness. Um, seems to be a big thing in your soul's past. Yeah, I yeah, that definitely tracks for my life and my writing. And, and the, I have an oracle deck that I draw from, you know, as part of my my daily practice. And um, I get the right card, like right, right, right. I get it all the time. And yeah, right. it's been a constant theme for me as well. And and to, yeah, talking about theme, I think um, you know, I, 
from what I can see, you can look forward to being a writer for the rest of your life. It's it's just going to be something you do. Hmm. I love hearing that. And I, yeah, and I just, I really appreciate you taking the time to go into this on the show today. <laughs> this feels like such a gift and an honor. So thank you, Ainsley, for sharing. Oh, gosh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got we've got just a little while left, and I want to make sure. Goodness, um, number one, I want to make sure people are aware of your Soul World membership program. Um, in case folks want to connect with you on a deeper level, um, sure. do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, we have a membership program, and funnily enough, it's kind of related to some of the stuff that we're talking about um, in in your life. You know, the need to find an audience, the need to uh, unite people. Um, you have a, a past life, uh, past life fear of rejection would be the main one here. There's probably some other things, but the, the fear of rejection um, coming from that experience of being abandoned is that you want to unite others, but you also want to belong. And for a lot of the old souls that I work with, they they don't feel they belong. They, they don't have anywhere to go to explore the soul's journey or talk to other people in, in a language that they'd understand, you know, not, not many of us can talk about spirit guides with our family and most of our friends, you know, so I created the, the Soul World uh, membership program so that people could come and can learn and, and explore. We have a theme each month, um, it could be, let's say, karma one month, and we would have a class on that. We'd also have a past life regression, which is an opportunity to go in um, I would guide you th through a past life and then talk about it afterwards. Uh, we have a Q&A. We have daily messages from the spirit guides. It's a very active um, community and a, and a wonderful place um, for for old souls. So thank you for letting me talk about that because it's uh, you know this is a really exciting part of what I do and it's and, and for some of the the same reasons that you need to reach an audience. I have the same. Same thing. It's like, uh, I'm in fact, even writing the book has been, you know, so much of the motivation for that is to make people aware of, of stuff that I've learned, you know, because I find it just, oh my gosh, we should all know this, how, how different our lives would be. I even thought when I wrote the book, you know, how I, I would have wanted a book like this when I first started get, getting interested in the subject. It yes. Save me a lot of time. Exactly. And I just want to, again, emphasize that in reading this book, you know, this is this is the world that I live in. And I have learned so much new information through this book, Ainsley. Um, and for those out there listening, the book is called The Old Souls Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth. Um, of course, I've been talking to Ainsley McLeod today. To find out more about the Soul World membership, um, you can visit his website, which is ainsleymcleod.com. And I'll just spell that one more time. It's A-I-N-S-L-I-E, Ainsley. McLeod is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. So ainsleymcleod.com. And of course, don't forget that he will be at East West Bookshop uh, in Seattle for our local listening audience, um, on June 21st and June 22nd, there will be a book signing and a talk on the on June 21st and a workshop on June 22nd. Find out more by visiting eastwestbookshop.com. Um, so Ainsley, we have less than a minute left. Um, I just would love to give you the floor for a final quick message for our audience as we send them off into the weekend. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, I think if I could leave you with one thing, it's that your destiny is not a secret. You know, people think that their life plan is, or their destiny is something they may eventually discover if they put in enough work and um, struggle at it for long enough. But your destiny is actually, you know, what you're living, and who you are, why you're here. It's actually staring you in the face if you know what to look for, and that's a big intention that that I have with this book is to help you understand what what to look for. So your destiny is not a secret. It's so important to understand that. Yes. It's not, and It's not meant to be hard. <laughs> and I will tell you, folks, the book makes it very clear how to figure this out. So go buy it. The Old Souls Guidebook. <laughs> Ainsley McLeod, thank you so much for being on Sunny in Seattle oh, today. Thank you, Sunny, for having me on the show. It's It's been a delight. 
Oh, wonderful. And thank you, Benny, for running the board in Seattle. And uh, I'm your host, Sunny Joy. You've been listening to Sunny in Seattle, and we'll see you next week. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.